0: Recurring revenue is definitely important, uh, but I'd say that nothing is more important than the actual profit, the base underlying profitability of the business over the last 12 months and over the previous two, three years. And that it's growing. If it's growing, that takes out a lot of concerns for a buyer who's thinking, "Okay, this thing can continue to grow because no one wants to buy a business that's going down. They can't pay today's price and afford to pay off any loans or anything else they're gonna to use to leverage the they purchase price later if the business is not performing very well.
1: Globally ranked among the top shows in business and education, we're known for helping overworked online business owners navigate the ups and downs on the way to seven figures. Each week, you're going to learn how to get the right systems, structure, and support in place so you can build a self-sustaining business that thrives in a rapidly changing digital environment and grow through what you go through to create the greater income, influence, and impact you deserve. This is Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship. Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship. This is episode 170. And you know, I was thinking recently about how growing up, my dad would always tell me, Courtney, begin with the end in mind. Now, I'll be honest with you. There have been so many times in my life where I have not followed that advice and instead just dove headfirst into whatever it was, sometimes successfully, other times to fall flat on my face. But it's in those moments of face planning that I'm often reminded of this age-old wisdom. And this is the very reason that I am bringing you my special guest today, Nate Lind, who is a business broker and exit strategist for business owners like you and me. Because for most of us, we go into business with a dream, an idea, a mission, a calling on our heart. And as we start growing that business, we focus on how can we do more, reach more, impact more, grow more. And what happens is most of us get so caught up in the day to day that we don't even give a single thought to later down the road. Chances are you've probably never thought about selling your business because this is your mission. This is your passion. This is the work that you believe you're here on this earth to do. And I get it because going into business for myself was one of those moments where I did not begin with the end in mind. And this is a big mistake. And Nate is here today to tell you why. Now, if you've never given any thought to what it means to build a sellable business, even if you never plan on selling it, then pay close attention because this episode is for you. Nate's going to show you how to increase the value of your business and where you should be looking if you want to create more passive income so you can experience more freedom both now within your business and down the road when maybe you want to take some more time off. Maybe you want to travel a little more. Maybe you don't want to be working quite so hard. Plus, he's going to show you what not to do if you want to build a business that can truly run without you. Nate, welcome to the Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm delighted to have you here today.
0: I'm so glad that we connected. Thanks for having me on here. I'm looking forward to sharing my, uh, my wisdom and my foibles with you all.
1: Oh, well, you know, you bring a wealth of knowledge and expertise to the table. I'm excited to dig into that with you. But where I'd love to start with you, you know, one of the things that you often share is telling the story of how one day you were out on this hike with your family and your son looks at you and out of the blue, he's like, Dad. Why can't we do this more often? And I'm curious to know, what was your life like prior to that moment? And why was that such a pivotal moment for you?
0: Yeah, a uh, very very pivotal moment. So, to give you a snapshot of what my life looked like uh at that moment or or 30 seconds before that moment, uh was mostly work workaholic. Um was doing a lot of uh traveling. I owned an e-commerce business, so it was selling vitamins and supplements 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And if the website, you know, something happened, if something ha- you know, something happened to the payment system or shopping cart, I was uh, I was trying to have, to, I had to fix it. So we couldn't just let, because we were spending a lot of money on on advertising, we would be spending money and not having any sales. So I really prompted a, a hyper vigilant uh, awareness in my system that I was just constantly uh, worried about and aware of the, um, the nature of this business. And told my, my, the response to my son was, son, I've got a." pay for all of this you know we this doesn't come free like we have to pay to enjoy these these luxuries and to be able to have this time and, and that sort of stuff and as soon as those words came out of my mouth I realized, holy cow, wait a second. I became an entrepreneur because I wanted passive income and I wanted to have the freedom to be able to spend more time with my family and friends. And I wanted to have the affluence and, and and wealth to be able to do simple things. I'm not talking about like living it up at the Taj Mahal or anything. I just wanted to be able to enjoy, you know, some lovely hikes out in the Ponderosa of New Mexico and and uh, be able to do some traveling from time to time, maybe go to Mexico or go out a, of out a country and nothing crazy. I realized that after having read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'd done kind of a piss poor job at, at setting myself up with a passive income stream to be able to start to step away from the rat race. Instead, I had made my own rat race, which was my company.
1: Wow. You know, one of the things I often say is that your business cannot grow beyond you if it's too dependent on you. And I think that resonates so true for so many of us who get into business with this big dream, this big idea, this big mission. We want that financial freedom, that flexibility, but then we just get into the weeds of our business. And I think for many small business owners, they love the idea of generating passive income, but they're not exactly sure how to do that, especially once they get into business. And most of our listeners, you know, are knowledge brokers, they're coaches, they're course creators, they're selling their knowledge and expertise, speakers, authors. And so a lot of times we kind of just get into the day-to-day of our business, much to your story, you know, and your point there, it's like, you know, I have to keep this thing going. It all ties back to me. If I don't do it, who will? And that can really begin to trap us from thinking beyond the day-to-day of our business. What's next? What if I want to sell this thing one day? What if I want to not work one day? What if I want to move on to another venture one day? So for those listening right now who want to create more passive income streams in their business, but who aren't sure how to bridge that gap. Can you share with us some examples of clients that you've worked with who overcame that obstacle and who have successfully leveraged their expertise and knowledge to start creating passive income in their business?
0: Absolutely. A um, couple, couple of ways, talking specific to your audience, you know, two ways that come to mind immediately are, are both two ways that I've done. I've sold my business and I've used the proceeds from that to invest in passive income, whether it be you know passive investments you know that are financial investments or real estate, uh, stuff like that, that is um, maybe not 100% passive, but is near passive, much more passive than operating a business as the owner operator, <laughs> which I've done a lot of that before in the past as well. Uh, and then the other route is uh, replacing yourself within the business. I'm doing, that, I'm doing that again in this, in what I have now, I've got a business brokerage. So I, I own a franchise. It's like a, like a real estate brokerage you might imagine. Think of Keller Williams. So Website Closers is the, the headquarters and the main, uh, the, main fran- the main brand of the franchise that, uh, that I own. And just like a realtor or a broker, they may own a local Keller Williams office in Tampa Bay. And then they start to hire other realtors or brokers to start doing deals. So I do the same thing. I've got two associate brokers that, that work in the franchise and they're doing deals. So I'm slowly replacing my deal flow from me individually to having others doing it. So if you have someone out there that's listening or or watching this and they're, uh, they're the, the intellectual property of the course or the service offering sooner or later, you have to start to diversify other people providing that intellectual property, providing that service to your clients. So hiring other coaches, training other people to start to provide that, uh, that work. You've got to delegate it. So you really have, you know, two, two, and you, and in this case, you really need to start planning on that. If you want to, if you want to exit uh, on the first end, because it's really tough to sell a a coaching or a, a kind of an intellectual uh, service providing sort company when you're doing it all, because um, a buyer is going to say, well, if you're leaving, how is this all going to get done? Do I need to learn everything that you know? How am I going to learn everything that it's taking you years to learn? How can I learn that in three months so you can you know go off to Cancun and sip a Mai Tai? So those are those are the two methods that I've used before in the past. Do you would you have one preference you'd like to steer through versus the other?
1: Well, I think replacing yourself within the business for sure, because my dad is in the finance world. He does a lot of estate planning. And I remember growing up, he would always come home and he'd say, you know, gosh, I had another conversation with another client and they've got no exit strategy. They haven't even thought about it. And so, you know, being teenager at the time, exit strategy, what is that, right? But it's always been something in the back of my mind, thanks to my dad, through the years, who just would come home and share these stories about his clients and how they never began with the end in mind. I think a lot of times for business owners, that's very true as well, especially the independent owner operator, and especially personal brands, because you are a yeah. brand, right? I read a book recently called The Automatic Customer. I don't know if you've read that, but I've seen it. Know, I have
0: not read that one yet.
1: It's a great book. And in, in there, he talks about really subscription models for businesses. And that's his main focus. But in there, there was a line and he said, you know, businesses that have passive income streams in place are far more valuable for resale than those those that don't. So I'd love to hear in your experience, walk us through why is that? I mean, from a logical perspective, it makes sense, right? You're making more money in the business. It's a little less dependent on you, but I'm sure there's a lot of nuances there. And I, I would love to hear your take on that.
0: There are. In fact, I was just going through some notes. I'm getting ready to create some new content on my YouTube channel. And I, I wrote a book just recently uh, that I've got a lot of this information in it, but I'm trying to bite, I'm trying to chunk some of this information down into some different bite size uh, elements so that we can get through it. Um, there's about 27 factors that go into a business valuation. This is the first thing that I do when someone approaches me and says, hey, I'm thinking about selling. I Usually the first same thing that you would have if you've got a house is you want to know how much is my house worth? How much are they selling for in the neighborhood? How much is my company worth? How much are other companies like it selling for? And since we're the largest marketplace for these types of companies, I've got these comparables that I can go back and look within our uh, within our database of what's sold. And we'll go through, and I'll, and I'll get to your question because there's a number of facets here. Recurring revenue by itself isn't worth like an individual one times trailing twelve months earnings multiple but it's a component that goes into a variety of factors. So we have the transferability of the business. So have you delegated the the major operational chunks of the business to staff that can support the business that makes it a little bit more passive for the buyer, the recurring revenue, having diverse revenue streams coming in from multiple platforms. If you're doing all of your advertising with one platform, like let's say Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, all of your income is coming through just that one channel, you know, that can be a potential risk. So there's a bunch of things that we go into. And usually what I'll do is kind of like what a a, a doctor would do in a free consult, you know, I'll assess the business. We have a series of questions. I need to get into the nuts and bolts of the finances of the business, how much is it actually making? And then also, because that's going to give me the number to apply the multiple to, but then I need to understand of the 27 factors. It takes me about 45 minutes to get through all of them. Uh, to then be able to assess the multiple. Recurring revenue is definitely important, uh, but I'd say that nothing is more important than the actual profit, the base underlying profitability of the business over the last 12 months and over the previous two, three years, and that it's growing. If it's growing, that takes out a lot of concerns for a buyer who's thinking, okay, this thing can continue to grow because no one wants to buy a business that's going down. They can't pay today's price and afford to pay off any loans or anything else they're going to use to leverage the they purchase price later if the business is not performing very well. So the the number one thing, and this can be point of sale revenue or it could be subscription or recurring revenue. A lot of buyers, they don't have a really, really strong preference uh, one over the other as long as everything is growing. Um, there's some models that a disclaimer I'd say is like subscription as a uh, or software as a service of so SaaS companies, insurance, and in some financial fields that they are based on long term annual contracts. Some business to business services. Something that your your uh, your clients might have is: are they on a month to month with their clients, or can they get you know t- three month, six month, twelve month contracts? It's not necessarily recurring, but it it has it shows stickiness to uh, to the revenue, and that shows a comfort to the buyer that thinks, okay, wow, this is a track record of these contracts over time. That yeah, this thing's going to be worth more money.
1: Hmm. That makes so much sense, and it's so multifaceted too, right? This is the things that you know when you get into business. Usually, you're just you're someone on a mission, right? You want to change the world, you want to make an impact, you want to do whatever it is that you got into business to do. These are not even things that you're thinking about. For most business owners, right, and they don't go into the business with the idea of creating a business that's sellable because usually, for most of our listeners anyway, they got into business to do something that is personally fulfilling for them. And if they make money and make an impact while doing it, well, that's great, right? So I think for many of these business owners, you know, they're in their business right now. They are not thinking about you know what really is the value of my business, and so I'm curious to know, Nate, what is the biggest mistake that you see? small business owners, independent owner operators making that actually decreases the value of their business? I'm sure this is a loaded question, but if you could say like, what are some of the top mistakes, right, that you see that people really need to be giving some thought to and how can we as business owners look at our business through maybe a bit of a different lens here to avoid these mistakes?
0: Yeah. People who have a personal brand as their company brand are not doing themselves a favor when it comes to trying to think about selling it. Find a way to be a featured face of the the actual brand or the service itself. So it might be time for, to think about some branding and some rebranding around like what is, you know, it's always be thinking about what's in it for me from the customer standpoint. I do this all the time with my buyers, what's in it for the buyer. And they're going to be thinking, okay, well, if this is, you know, NateLynn.com and I'm getting ready to buy natelind.com and I'm not NateLynn. Uh, oh, how the heck is this going to work? So you really do need to be thinking about like setting up the company itself as its own brand that yes, you're a contributor, but you're not the brand. And uh, I wish I had a chance to go back about 20 years and tell Russell Brunson to stop doing uh, stop doing this whole, you know, pr- the, the archetype of the, of the individual personal brand. And I know why he did it. It is easier to get those up and going, but long term, they're not worth as much and they're really hard to sell. So starting to transition from a personal brand into a, a non-personal brand is really, really critical. Also having your financials uh, done in a professional and, and uh, incredible way. You have to have uh, QuickBooks or Zero or something. You need, you need to have all of your business and just business expenses in the, in the bank account and flowing through the bank account. Don't commingle your personal stuff in the business if you can help it. Some things I can add back, you know, car, travel, meals and entertainment. Those are pretty standard deductions, but it gets to be a lot more complicated. when I've had one client she had, like she's paying her personal nanny. Okay, well, it looks like an employee. So there's a whole conversation that goes on about the nanny. What does the nanny do? Where's the nanny at? How we like that? You wouldn't even even had to have gone into if you'd paid them separately. You can form a a holding company as a single member LLC. Flow everything from the brand into your holding company. Put all, you know, load up that LLC, that holding company, with any of your personal expenses that you're going to write off in there, but keep the actual operating entity. Clean, keep it simple. Um, that's one of the biggest things I see time and time again. People they don't have financials that are either up to date, accurate, or or professionally prepared. So, changing your personal branding, updating, make sure your financials uh, you know are really clean and easy. And you know, performance. You you really have to be focused on the on the growth of the of the company. These lower middle market companies do not sell as a multiple of revenue. So if you're really excited, you cracked a million dollars in revenue, congratulations. How much did you profit? Did you get over $100,000? Did you get over $250,000? That's the number the buyer's looking at. That's the number I'll be looking at when the time comes, you're calling me to look at the valuation. I'm going to multiply your company's multiple to your earnings, not your revenue. So I, I, this game is a hard shock to me too. I was really excited one year I did, you know, eight figures in sales, but I barely netted over seven and I was like super frustrated that it wasn't mid to high sevens, but I felt really proud. I got to eight figures like that was my number. That's me. I'm over $10 million. I didn't make that money. That didn't come to me. That was after paying advertising and inventory and all that sort of stuff. That was just a, a big ego inflating number. And the, the, the market, the mergers and acquisitions market does not pay uh, for lower middle market deals like this as a multiple on, uh, on revenue. So those would be some, some big things I think that uh, if I could go back in time and share with clients prior to their listing with me or, or even share with myself back in the day, I would have liked to have heard.
1: So valuable. I mean, my goodness. I hope for you listening right now that you are taking notes because, you know, again, these are things that we don't often think about. And when you were talking about, you know, kind of becoming the featured face of the brand, but not the brand itself, there are a couple of examples that came to mind. You know, Dan Sullivan is really well known with the strategic coach, but the strategic coach is his brand. Dan Sullivan happens to be the founder of that brand. But if Dan wanted to go sell that, he could certainly sell that business. He's got the team in place. He's got all these things that you're describing, right? And certainly you would look at the numbers of that business too. But just again, for you listening to be thinking about, and I used to get a lot of pushback on this. You know, my company is the effortless life. And for many years, I operated it as a personal brand. And when I, the moment I started to make that shift away from that, people were like, no, 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 Courtney, you are the brand. I said, I have been the brand up until this point, but I am not the brand. And, you know, we kind of got to put our ego to this side there a bit too, because if we're thinking bigger, if we're thinking long term, you know, I had a conversation with a, a wonderful woman yesterday. She's in her sixties. And she said, I'm, I'm starting to think about what's next for me. And, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and it's like, I think at this point in our life, we're not often thinking about what's next, but it's actually one of the smarter business moves that you can make is to be thinking long-term beginning with the end in mind.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And anyone that's told you to, to do a, um, you know, keep your personal brand, don't listen to them. I, it, it's okay maybe to start, but you need to get it moved over to uh, to an actual service oriented brand.
1: Hmm. Yes. And the financials too, because you know, I remember a time in my business where uh, you know, that would just like cause me to break out in hives and sweat. I didn't want to think about the financials, you know, and I outsourced that to a team who has done a beautiful job. They have put it together far better than I ever could. And now I actually know my numbers and I didn't have to figure it out. So I know first many people listening right now, they probably uh, had that little moment of panic, you know, as you were sharing that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be you keeping these beautiful picture perfect books, but have someone who can help you do that because either just the fundamental cornerstones you need to have in place to start increasing the value of your brand, but also if you ever do want to sell it one day, things you need to be thinking about. But I want to pivot here a bit, Nate, and ask you because I noticed that you're a triathlete, which is amazing. And I would assume that, you know, in doing triathlons, you know, and competing in this way, like you've likely learned the importance of discipline and consistency, right? And all these other aspects that go into training and training hard, as well as remembering why it is you want to achieve that goal, right? Why did you start? And I'm just curious to know, how has your experience in being a triathlete? You know, what are some of the principles that you've learned and how can we maybe apply those principles to our businesses to remember why we started, to remember what's really important and to work smarter and not harder and actually enjoy the work we got into business for in the first place?
0: Well, you alluded to uh, some, you know, key points, discipline, goals, uh, accountability. Those are some big ones. So I found uh, very numbers oriented. Uh, the business I sold was a, a reporting system that I built that plugged into a shopping cart. And the shopping, the strategic shopping cart it was associated to made me an offer. And that's who I sold to. And often that's how this works. Like you don't even know that you're worth something or you don't think about selling until somebody says, hey, would you be interested in selling? And then the real question is, well, for how much? <laughs> we'll get back to that later. But when it comes to training, uh, I had to find something that really excited me. So I signed up for a race. I signed up for, uh, in the beginning, it was what they call a sprint triathlon. So a shorter distance, and you know, it happened quicker. I, I hadn't didn't have any training experience up until that. I haven't been a lifelong runner or cyclist. I only came in, like, kind of just before the pandemic in 2019, I kind of started. But really, in 2020, I really got going. I signed up for a race and uh, just started doing the best that I could in the beginning. And then I got kind of serious about it because I just really enjoyed it. It was different for me. It gave me a kind of a a competitive outlet that, um, you know, that I could play around with. And no one was stopping me. It was all in my own control. So a lot of psychological things that was going into, you know, being able to be accountable for what you do control, recognizing there's a lot of factors outside of your, outside of yourself, pretty much every, everything outside of yourself, you can't control. And then just focusing back on what you can control, which is yourself. And I found a, um, a platform that let me do assessments. So I, uh, I would go out and run a 5K. In fact, I just re- reassessed myself uh, this last weekend. So run out, run a 5K as fast as I can, cycle as hard as I can for 20 minutes, and then swim as fast as I can for two minutes and then four minutes. And then it takes all this information and puts it together and then gives me a plan, tells me where I'm at. So I had a measurement to know physically where I am. And I'd never seen anything like this before. And I've got these... got a watch and like these little power meters and stuff like that which are my key performance indicators translating this back to business your sales your profit your your clients your contracts whatever your key performance indicators are you need to understand where you're starting out at i needed to understand where i was starting out with starting out at physically and then i needed a plan so this platform i used i had a coach as well i'm a big fan of coaches i'm a coach you know i'm an m a coach uh, call me an M advisor or business broker. It sounds like your clients or are, are, uh, are your your audience are coaches as well for a variety of different industries. So if we're coaches, where's our coaches? So find a coach that can help you and have them you know lay out a plan. They need to know where you're starting from and where you want to end up. So I set a goal. I wanted to do. I just wanted to finish a half Ironman. I didn't have a specific time. And after a little while, my coach was like, okay, that's kind of a wimpy goal. You're going to finish it. How fast do you want to do it? And I set a goal of, um, of six hours. I wanted to get it done in six hours. It would put me in the top quarter of all the people at the, the race I was going to. I'm thinking, okay, for my first time, if I could finish over half, that'd be great. I'm going to shoot for top quarter. And over time, every day, I was, you know, I was doing, you know, doing my workouts. All of my information was tracked on my, on my watch, uh, was uploaded to the cloud. This system put it all together and gave me a score. So it was, yeah, I had a scorecard every day. I could see if I did well, or if I needed some improvement. Some days I needed to take some time off other days, you know, I needed to work a little harder other days. I was perfect. I was, I had overachieved. So having The knowing of where I'm starting, where I'm going, and then the confidence of a map or a plan on how am I going to get there gave me this reassurance and calmness and quietness that all translated into an epic race day. And I did it in six hours. In fact, I've done three of them now right at six hours. So there's a part of me that's a little irritated that I've been so consistent at six hours. I haven't like overachieved and gotten five and three quarters or five and a half, but I'm happy with that. And, uh, know, that's just how things have panned out for me and being happy with my results, as opposed to constantly criticizing my own success. um, That's another uh, opportunity for growth. So that's really how, and I've translated that into success I have with my clients, how I would recommend everyone run their businesses, know where you're at, know where you want to go. And then if you don't know how to get there, Find a coach that can give you a plan on how to get there, whether that's outsourcing yourself, delegating yourself, if that's rebranding yourself, if that's increasing your sales revenue, if that's increasing your profit, eliminating waste, you know, cutting staff, whatever that might be. I promise you, there's an entrepreneur or coach out there that's done it before you have, and they probably know how to do it faster than you do. It may not be a bad idea to spend It's been anywhere between a hundred, usually a hundred bucks an hour is about the lowest I've spent for quality consulting, but all the way up to thousand dollars an hour, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. In some cases, you'll know what's the right fit for you and your budget, uh, but give yourself some opportunity to at least evaluate that instead of just trying to like play whack-a-mole and figure it out on your own and not getting the results you look for.
1: Such fantastic advice, Nate. My goodness. Congratulations on doing that multiple times. And, you know, as you're, as you're sharing this about <laughs> this cool device that you're using that gives you your baselines, and I'm like, gosh, can someone just please invent that for our businesses? And like, we just hit a button and it just tracks what we do. And I'm like, you'd have a really valuable company there, right? Tell you, hey, you need a day off or, hey, you need to work a little harder today. You're being lazy. No, but that's amazing. And, you know, I am just thinking about what you said a moment ago about you have to control what you can control. And often that's us. That's it. And you know, that is the the heartbeat of our show here is, you know, when it comes to anti-fragility and really what that means, you know, taking things a step beyond just being resilient in the face of pressure, or stress, or obstacles, but growing through them and growing because of the obstacles that you face. In those moments, we can only control what we can control. And this is a point of frustration for so many because we want to control it all. But what you said there, and I just want to make sure our listeners hear that. If you take away nothing else from this conversation today, walk away with that and start looking at your business through the lens of what is in my control and what can I do to get clear on you know, what are my baselines? Where am I right now? Where do I want to be? I was thinking about this just this week, honestly, Nate, just to be totally transparent with you here about how I haven't really sat down in a minute and looked at where do I want to be a couple of years from now, three years from now? You know, I've got my one year plan and I've been working that plan, but thinking a little bit beyond, which I think kind of nicely wraps up everything we're talking about here today. You know, what, what is the end for you? Because sometimes that target will shift as we go through our life, as we go through our business, as we achieve certain goals, right? And what's next, what's the next thing. So I want to thank you for being here. You've shared so much with us today. And one final question for you before I let you go You know, for those entrepreneurs who are listening right now, who are so used to actively running their businesses, that that mental shift is tough, right? To go from, you know, actively running the business to kind of stepping back and being not necessarily a backseat role in the business, but, you know, being that featured face of the brand, building a brand and a business that can run without them and be self-sustaining. For those that are having a hard time wrapping their mind around that concept and, maybe a little bit of resistance to let go of the reins and and to actually look at, you know, putting some passive income streams in place and starting to increase the value of their business right now. What is the number one first step that you would recommend they take?
0: I'd ask your family, do they want to see more of you or less of you? Where on the balance and scale of time that you're spending with your family, do you want to be? And, and where do they want you to be? Uh, because that's what, really changed my mind about okay, how hard do I want to be working at this? How how great does it feel that I'm doing everything versus can I start to let go of some things? And some stuff I needed to shut down. At one point in time I had 27 LLCs operating. I shut down like 18 of them. And and just to be able to, you know, recognize, okay, why did I become an entrepreneur in the first place? I read rich dad, poor dad. I wanted passive income. I I wanted, uh, to level up, you know, the, from lower middle class to upper middle class or, or upper, you know, as high as I could go, you know, in the top 1% if I could make it. And, uh, and I wanted time to be able to, to experience more nice things, uh, with my family. And I don't mean nice things like luxurious items, but I wanted to be able to travel and do things and, and explore more of myself. Do internal work, spending time doing retreats and and spending time around like healthful activities and mindful activities, and I just realized that grinding away sixty hours a week uh, on a job, even though I was the company owner, wasn't the satisfaction I was looking for. So, I think for people, this is kind of the the they need their own rock bottom moment or kick to the gut moment to figure out why are you doing what you're doing or are you just waking up and doing today like yesterday, you know, as a groundhog day moment or like a robot because of some choice that you made in the past with reading some entrepreneurial or motivational book that got you into this space in the beginning. And are you actually achieving your goal or are you just going through the motions?
1: So good. There's so much there in what you just said. So I hope for you listening, go back, play that back a few times and see what you can walk away with from this episode to apply to your life and business. Nate, thank you for being here. It's been such a pleasure. I know that you have a list of resources for people who are looking to figure out what is the value of their business and how can I start you know, increasing passive income within my business right now? And what do I need to be thinking about if I want to sell my business? Can you give us the link to that? Because I know included in there, you've got some examples of businesses that have sold, you know, so you can see what works, and some businesses yep. that didn't sell, so you know what to avoid.
0: I sure do. Yep. Your audience can go to natelind.com forward slash gift. It's my gift to your audience. So you go to natelind.com forward slash gift. Uh, you'll have a, comp- a digital copy of my of my book. I've got examples of financials for businesses that sold, examples that didn't sell. So you can see what to do, what not to do. Uh, I've got a lot of information around how to figure out your own multiple if you if you if you feel like you don't want to have a conversation with me or you don't meet my threshold. Um, I only work with businesses that sell for over a million dollars, so they need to be doing at least a million dollars in revenue uh, and need to be getting close to a half million dollars in profit. Uh, and then I'll do the business valuation for you for free. But if you're under that level, uh, you can still take whatever your profit is, multiply it by your multiple. You can figure out your own multiple using the spreadsheet that I, I share in there. And uh, I've got a bunch of other stuff as well, testimonials of clients and and their, their war stories of selling businesses, whether it be digital marketing companies and e-commerce companies and other digital and tech and, and SaaS. And there's also a video about how many buyers there are out there. And you would be shocked. There's tens of thousands of them. I get for every listing I I am I'm am a guide for or an advisor for. I'm getting anywhere between 150 and 200 buyers are signing the non-disclosure agreements and requesting the information package of them. It's still a seller's market despite the doom and gloom of you know the economists and recession and this and that. I'm getting multiple LOIs on listings right now. It's happening every listing I've done this year, 2023. So it's applicable. The market is hungry. People want to put money into, uh, investors want to put money into cash flowing businesses. If you've got one out there, I'd love to talk to you. Or if you know a friend that's got a cash flow business and uh, it's doing well and they're looking to, to sell it at some point in time, I'd be happy to pay a referral for anyone that sends them my way.
1: Fantastic. Nate, thank you again so much for being here. It truly has been a pleasure. Thank you. I'm so glad you joined us today for another episode of Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship. Thanks for being here. And if you want to connect with Nate, make sure you head to the show notes so you can get the link he shared here and grab the free resource that he has for you to help you see exactly where you can start building more passive income into your business to increase the overall value of your business and stop trading your time for dollars. Now, if you like the show, I would love it if you would forward this episode to a friend. Just tap the share button, share it with him via text or on social media. And if you love the show, then it would mean the world to me if you would take 30 seconds and leave a review. Even just one sentence helps other people know that this show is worth their time, that it's worth listening to. And if you want to connect with me personally, come find me on Instagram. I am there at the Courtney Elmer. I'm always sharing behind the scenes in my stories just about every single day. And I share with you my insights on how to launch and leverage a podcast of your own as a profitable tool for lead generation and also thought leadership expansion. So I hope you'll come find me there and hang out with me. And coming up next week, I am going to reveal the game-changing habit that helped me double my business revenue in a single year. Now, this game-changing habit is not your typical bro-marketing tactic that's just disguising the same old worn-out information and presenting it in a fancy new way. The secrets to growing your business more effectively are literally right under your nose when you know where to look. And They're hidden within every situation you face in your business. The problem is most people don't know how to recognize them. They don't know how to harness the power of those situations that they face, whether it's something really positive, it's a high high in their life, or it's something negative and difficult and challenging, one of those low lows. But when you know what to look for, and when you know how to harness the power of each and every situation that comes your way, you'll be able to grow exponentially faster and create the greater impact that you dream of because you'll have a distinct advantage over your competitors who aren't aware of how to leverage these specific business truths to their advantage. So that's all coming up next week. Join me right back here. And until then, let's go out and grow through what we go through together.